Hello and welcome back to Don't Depend on Daddy, the podcast. My name is Michaela. I am your host and I'm so excited for today's episode because we are celebrating one year of me being self-employed, which is a major accomplishment. I know a lot of you guys have had questions about like how I got Break Your Budget off of the ground, what I've learned over the last year, if I'm ever going to go back to corporate, all the things. And Today, we're going to talk about it. We're going to do a little bit of a self-reflection. I'm going to go through some of my biggest accomplishments over the last year, things that have been really challenging, you know, what I hope Break Your Budget will turn into in the future, what I'm working on, and like some lessons that I've learned working for myself. I'll give you the quick TLDR. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. Everything is not always what it seems, and I'm excited to talk about it because I think that self-employment is glorified on the internet, and it's definitely not as amazing as it looks, I guess, from every angle. It is amazing. I will say that. I love working for myself. I honestly think being self-employed is like my personal destiny, but it's definitely not for everyone, so I'm excited to talk about it. But before we get into that, we're going to do some housekeeping, money rack of the week, all of the usual things that I do on my solo episodes. I also apologize. I think I have allergies, so I'm a little congested. My voice is kind of weird. I am actually recording this on Tuesday, the day before it goes up. And I've really put this off to the last minute in the hopes that I would stop sounding as sick as I sound. But unfortunately, I still sound sick. So we're just going to have to deal with it. But anyways, housekeeping. If you enjoy this podcast, please go leave me a review, whether it be on Spotify or Apple. It takes one second. All you have to do is hit the star button on Spotify or Apple. If you're feeling really generous, you can go leave me a written review. If you've been listening for a while, you know I've been putting a lot of effort into the podcast in terms of getting it up on YouTube, bringing on different guests, having some more diverse topics, and posting consistently. I have not missed a week of the podcast in over a year. So if you have been enjoying, if you've been listening along, if you've been binging the episodes, if you've learned anything, go leave me a review. It really, really, really helps grow the podcast. Growing a podcast is a slow roll. I think a lot of people think that like when you start a podcast, people are just going to go listen to it. That is not the case. Even if you have a big audience, it takes a while to get like consistent listeners and stuff. And it's not easy. So if you have been enjoying this, go leave me a review. The other reminder, and this actually, well, we have two more reminders. The second reminder, because I'm filming this the week of the sale, is all of my products. So personal finance dashboard, own your career template, be your own boss template, all my courses. So the four-week financial plan, the break your budget blueprint, everything, every single template, course, et cetera, that I've ever created is currently on sale for 25% off. If you use the code BYB one year, it'll be in the show notes. The sale ends this upcoming Sunday, April 16th. So if you are listening to this the week it goes live, you should definitely consider taking advantage of the sale. We're celebrating one year of self-employment. Like I said, that's kind of the theme of this week. And I've never put everything on sale before. I've only ever put or gone through sales where I put the PFD and like maybe the four-week financial plan on sale. I've never put the own your career template on sale. I just came out with a digital planner that's also on sale. So if you want to get these things while they're on sale, now is your chance. Take advantage of it before Sunday. Like I said, the code is BYB one year. The next sale that I'm going to run is going to be in July. It will not be for all of my products. It will likely only be for the personal finance dashboard. And I don't think I'll ever do a sale like this again. So grab them while they're on sale. So that's the next reminder. Third reminder, 
book pre-orders. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see this beautiful book. The difference, and we're gonna get into this right now, the difference between this book and the one you've been seeing in all my videos is that this is the real book. There's words and everything in there. So the, the book that you've actually been seeing in the background of all of my videos and everything up until right now has been a fake book. It's just been like a blank um, where the cover and like information and stuff side back cover was all just printed on paper and glued onto like a literal empty notebook. This is the first and only real copy of Own Your Money. It came last week on Friday. And when I tell you I am literally obsessed with how this turned out, I'm so freaking excited for you to read it. The publication date is June 20th, but right now Own Your Money is available for pre-order. And if you, I mean, I'm gonna assume most people here don't like have never published a book. I wanna talk about how important pre-orders are for the success of a book. So pre-orders are basically like how retailers, so think like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, gauge the level of orders that they're gonna make for the actual book to like place in their stores or to keep an inventory for online orders. So it's really important to generate like a pretty decent amount of pre-orders so that those companies place larger orders, have more inventory on hand, and then they're more likely to push the book or like push it to the top of the search engines or put it in the front of the store. So if you are considering buying the book, which if you listen to this podcast, like you're going to like the book, I can guarantee. And if you want a little sneak peek, you should go onto YouTube and look because I'm literally showing you the inside of the book right now. It's full of really great information. There's some images that are really helpful. There's charts in the back of the book. There are some resources that you can go to. There's also like little um, templates and stuff for you to fill out, like work workbook-esque style things, charts explaining compound interest. Like there's so much in here and you're gonna love it. So if you are considering buying the book and you have not pre-ordered it yet, here is my plea to you to please pre-order the book because it costs the same when you pre-order it it's going to be $21.99 whether you pre-order it or you buy it in June. And you're going to get it at the same time. If you pre-order it, you're going to get it probably like June 22nd. If you order it on June 20th, when it comes out, you will also get it probably around June 22nd. So please, please, please pre-order it. It doesn't make a difference in terms of timing and price, but it makes a huge, 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 huge impact on the success of the book. Plus, if you pre-order the book, you will also be able to get a free budget template and all of that information is gonna be linked in the show notes. So if you have not pre-ordered Own Your Money, please go pre-order it. I'm gonna say it one more time. Please go pre-order the book. Um, pause this podcast episode, go to Amazon, pre-order the book. It's all gonna be linked. And it would really mean a lot to me. And at some point, probably in the next week or two or a couple of weeks, I'm gonna do like a whole dedicated podcast or YouTube video about the book. But this is the table of contents. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it's very long because there's lots of information in here. And somebody actually asked me on Instagram, like what was the difference between the book and my social media content? And obviously a lot of the things that I talk about in social media are in this book. I think the big differentiator is that when you buy the book, you have everything, not only all in one place, but it's all organized like in sequential order. So if you go into my social media channels, like you're getting all of this information, but I don't post in sequential order because that doesn't really make sense. Like I'm posting in real time. 
And I'm talking about topics that I'm either getting questions about or that are relevant to my life or somebody else's life or, you know, the world or whatever. Like it's, it's kind of all over the place where with the book, you get the steps that you need to follow in order to like succeed with your money, basically in the order that makes the most sense. So we go through, I'll read you the table of contents, getting organized and getting started. So this is like taking a financial audit, why budgeting isn't a bad word, how to build a foolproof budget, all the things, all the different budgeting strategies and how to like take your budget from level one to level two to level three. Setting and reaching your financial goals. So we go through setting smart goals in detail with examples. How to spend your money on things that matter. So learning how to implement spending guidelines and not spend your money on things that you don't care about. How to start investing. So we go through examples, accounts you need. I explain different types of investments, stocks, bonds, um, mutual funds, ETFs. I use an analogy called the flower analogy or like the flower shop analogy, which I've actually never really talked about on my socials. Um, financial routines is chapter six. So how to implement financial routines, you know, financial routines are like everything to me, your career. Like if your dream job doesn't exist, if you hate your career, what to do about it, how to navigate career pivots. And then the last chapter, chapter eight is earning potential. So how to increase your earning potential, how to start a side hustle, how to negotiate your salary, all the things. So if any of that is interesting to you, you should definitely get it. The book is also going to be available on audiobook and Kindle. So if you're a book listener, you can still pre-order it. Please still pre-order it. And yeah, I think you're going to love it. So I'll end this little intro here because it's been about 10 minutes and we can get into the bulk of the episode. My money rec of the week, shamelessly, is own your money and the budget template that comes along with it. So if you've been in the market for a budget template and you don't want to splurge on the PFD and, you know, the book is in your budget, it's 20 bucks, 21 bucks. You should get the book and then you get the free budget template with it. It's very simple. So if you're intimidated by like Excel or if you just need something to use as like a starter budget, I definitely would recommend that template. So you can only get it when you pre-order the book. So here's your sign if you haven't done that yet to go pre-order the book. Anyways, we'll wrap that up and I'm going to put this on display here just as a reminder because this is a perfect segue into the bulk of this episode, which is a one year self-employment reflection. Okay. And we'll start with just my overall thoughts over the last year, like, and we'll get into like my accomplishments and all those things. This is going to be kind of chatty. So if you are walking, hopefully you're ready for this. And if you're hanging out at home, grab a coffee, got mine and let's chat. So the last year has been probably the best year of my life thus far. I'm hoping this year gets a little bit better just in like my personal life. But in terms of my career, last year has been literally the best year of my life. And I wanted to start this off by being a little bit cliche and saying, I cannot emphasize enough how grateful I am that this has like worked out for me. And I know that I, I do say this a lot. Like if you are somebody who wants to work for yourself, like you have the power within you to do it. But I also think, you know, there's a level of coincidence and I guess luck as well in terms of like, if you are successful in the online space and I don't overlook that. Obviously I put in years and years and years of hard work in order to build my social media platforms. That's not an accident, but the platform picks up what the platform wants to pick up. And for whatever reason, they picked me up in the time where, it made where it mattered, I guess. And I got really lucky that 
you know, I got onto TikTok when I got on before the market became really saturated. I gained a following on there. I was able to leverage that to build my following on Instagram and it just sort of all clicked for me. And I'm so incredibly grateful that it did because I was so lost and unhappy working in a corporate job, more so I think than the average person. And I say that because I had such a hard time with authority, still do. This is something I'm very self-aware about. I've talked about it before. But I always like from the first time I started working, my first job after college, all through up until my last job. Um, so it was about five years that I spent in corporate America. I always felt like something was wrong with me because I never meshed with my managers. I never felt like I understood things. Like I always just felt dumb. And all of those fears were, you know, reassured to me or what's the right word, reiterated to me when my manager in my last job, this was like the catalyst for me for quitting my job, called me dumb. Basically, he didn't say you're dumb, but he was like, you're basically not smart enough for me to promote you right now. Like you don't understand. He said verbatim, you don't understand financial concepts. The irony of that is like so incredibly uh, off the charts, off the freaking charts. And not to really hone in on this, but that man, I hate him, obviously. And I'm somebody who I take revenge really seriously and not revenge in the way of like, I'm going to come get you. It's more revenge, like an internal revenge. Like, okay, you think I'm stupid. Like I'm going to prove you wrong. It's an internal challenge that I set for myself. And there's two things about me, I think, that are important to know is I damn well know how to hold a grudge. And if I decide that like I'm going to hold that grudge, it's really hard for me to let it go. And two, I will always prove you wrong. Like if somebody sets up or like tease something up like that, for example, him calling me dumb, like you bet your bottom dollar I'm going to make you rue the day. You said that to me. So anyways, this is kind of the story of me quitting my job, which I do have a whole podcast on. Um, if you are interested, it's like from this time last year, quitting my job. I do talk about this in a little bit more detail. But basically he told me, I don't understand financial concepts, which is just blatantly false because I wrote a book about financial concepts. Like, okay. Um, but anyways, he said that I don't understand financial concepts. And that was essentially the catalyst for me to quit my job. And I needed the push because at that point in time, like I built Break Your Budget up to be a pretty sustainable business. Like I was making good money. And by good money, I mean, at that point in time, I was, I had consistently been making over $10,000 a month in my dashboard sales and for like six or seven months at that point in time. So it's like, okay, I had replaced my income more than my income from my side hustle. That wasn't even including brand deals. I'd replaced that income. And all I really needed was like a reason to leave. And the reason I left was A, because I really didn't like the way that he spoke to me. I thought it was so rude and inappropriate. He also called me intimidating, which, okay, so I'm dumb and I'm intimidating. Those two things don't make any sense, but all right. And I didn't like, um, he was like my stand-in manager. So like the manager I had before him, I really loved and he got a new job. And so in the interim, I had this stand-in manager guy who like sucked. He's the one that I don't like. 
and they were hiring somebody to fill my old manager's place, the person in between me and like the manager that I was having as a stand-in. And they were like, oh, we want you to be involved in the process. Like we want your input. It's important to us. And like, I gave them my input and they literally hired the one person who I was like, I don't like this guy. Um, so they hired somebody who I didn't really mesh with. We were like oil and water and it just wasn't working. So I was already unhappy there. Then it got called dumb. Then it got passed over for a promotion that was so annoying because I was doing my manager's job for the six months that I didn't have a manager. And then they have the literal audacity to tell me that I'm stupid. Like, oh, and you can't get a promotion. Oh, and by the way, like you have to do all of these things. So, and this is going to be kind of an all over podcast episode, but the context is important. Basically I had, And this is advice that I give is at the beginning of last year. So like January, 2022, I had approached my manager and been like, I want to be promoted this year. Like I'm kind of expecting a promotion this spring to be completely honest. And what do I need to do? And I want a plan. I want a timeline. I want exact deliverables so that I can execute on those and increase my salary. And this was sort of a test that I had put out being like, let me see what they come back to me with because I have leverage. Like I have this other thing I'm doing. I can quit at any point in time. And if I don't like it, like that's all I need to know, right? And I was also interviewing for two other jobs at the time, which I got both jobs and both offers were much higher than the salary I was making at that current job. But they didn't know this, obviously. And so yeah, he comes back to me like two weeks later with this promotion plan. And he basically was like, you need to do all of these things. It was all shit I was already doing for the rest of the year and basically like you won't get promoted till the end of the year, maybe. And I was like, well, what if I do all of these things by the summer? And he was like, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting you up for a promotion in the summer. Like, I don't think you're ready because you don't understand financial concepts. And I was just like, oh my God, I got to get out of here. Basically emasculate toxic men, 2023, that guy just like the worst, not the worst manager I've ever had, but like the one manager I've had with the literal most audacity to just be a total dickwad. But anyways, I'm not going to keep insulting him. Actually I might, but I can't help myself. It's just so annoying to me. So they told me all of that. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to quit this job. I'm not going to tell them until I have my plan. So that was the catalyst for me quitting my job. And back to the topic of revenge, I made that man's entire annual salary in Q1 of 2023. So who's dumb now? He is. Anyways, that's that. When I say that like you will rue the day, you bet your bottom dollar, I'm going to find a way internally. He doesn't know that. He never will. Hopefully he's not listening to this podcast. I doubt that he is. But when I say like I'm going to get revenge, I don't mean it in like a mean way. I mean it. And like, I'm going to make, get to a point where like, I know, but you don't know that like, I'm doing way better without you telling me that I'm stupid. And I am obviously. So that's the story of me quitting my job. (laughs) If you want like the whole details, you should go listen to that podcast episode from last year. All that to say, The last year has been the best year of my life. The amount of accomplishments that I've had over the last year, like kind of blows my mind. So let's talk about them. First and foremost being the book, which I've given you guys the book spiel, but this is, I think, probably my biggest professional accomplishment yet. Writing a book is something that, you know, a lot of people don't even have the opportunity to do. I've been very lucky that this 
opportunity essentially fell in my lap. I think it's a really great example of the power of social media. Like you never know who's watching your videos. You never know who's following you. And anyone at any point in time can present you with an opportunity that like kind of changes everything for you. So the book was my biggest accomplishment. From a financial standpoint, my biggest accomplishment last year was just like making a lot of money. I got a question on Instagram asking like how much money I made last year. And as much as I would love to share like all of the details numbers, the reason I'm not, there's two reasons I'm not going to. One is because people in my personal life, like listen to my podcast, watch my stuff. And I don't want to introduce like a weird dynamic because I do make more money than probably I make more money than my parents. Like I make good money and I don't want that to be weird. I don't want it to introduce like a weird dynamic in my friendships. I don't want people to be thinking about me or like my bank account or something like when I'm buying things. Like I just don't want that. Beyond that though, I don't want somebody to stalk me. Like I think there's a level of transparency that you can have. And I think a lot of like, especially female financial influencers are a little bit too open about their success. There's one in particular that like really not very humble brag brags about how much money she makes. I'm not going to say who it is, but if you know, you know, and I just think that that's like such a dangerous thing to do. Like there are people who know I live in Los Angeles. Like it is a big city, but I guess if you wanted to find me, you probably could. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be stalked and murdered in my home. So that's that. I'm never going to share that number. I'll never say never, but like for the time being, I'm not going to share that number, but I made good money last year. So that was a huge accomplishment for me. I was able to max out my retirement. So that was really great. And The other big accomplishments were signing like a six month contract with Ally. So Ally is a major bank. That's a huge company. Like that's a company that I never thought I would be able to work with. And then re-signing that six month contract for another, like for the rest of this year or for the first half of this year. So by the time my contract ends, I'll have worked with Ally for a full year. They've already approached me about a potentially new contract. So I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, please let that one work out because I love working with them. And I'm so happy that like a company that I use all like wants to work with me. That's amazing to me. That feels like so surreal. The other accomplishments were being able to like do in-studio style brand partnerships. And by that, I mean my course with Onomy. So that was like a really, really, really cool opportunity that I didn't think was ever going to be possible for me, not necessarily working just with Anami specifically, but like being able to go on set and like record professionally uh, uh, videos for a brand that they use on their platforms, like just really, really amazing opportunities. And like, I know that those opportunities are going to exist this year. I've already been asked to come on a few podcasts. I'm going up to like the Spotify studio soon. So we're manifesting a Spotify partnership for me for this podcast. That would be amazing. Um, so basically just really, really lots of cool things that I never expected that I'd be able to do. And I think the big lesson that I learned from that was just like letting life surprise me, letting opportunities come to me, being open to like new experiences and new opportunities in my career that maybe I never thought I could do, but are now entirely possible purely because of social media. And 
I know that there's a lot of people who are like either afraid to post on social media or don't want to be judged or whatever. And I'm not going to sit here and say that that won't happen. Like I definitely went through a phase in social media where people thought that I was like a weirdo. And even some of my closest friends, it's so funny to me, not funny. It's kind of awful, but like sometimes the people who are the closest to you or were the closest to you, like they're definitely not my closest friends anymore are the ones who are going to pass the most judgment or and be the most judgmental because I read something or maybe I saw a TikTok about, about it somewhere, but basically like the people who are closest to you tend to be the least supportive because they come from the same place and see you making different decisions that they're not making. And that makes them uncomfortable. And the way that you deal with that is by like passing judgment on someone. So I definitely went through a phase where People in my life thought what I was doing was weird or they were passing judgment or, you know, the awkward phase that happened to me in the summer of 2021 when I was posting on TikTok, gaining some momentum. I had a couple of videos go viral and I had people at work approach me and be like, you came up on my free page last night. And I'm like, oh no, like, I don't want you to see that. But when you post on the internet, like it just happens. I think we're in a phase now where it's much more normal to post content on social media. And honestly, like, it's weird until it's not, you know what I mean? Like everybody who you see on TikTok or Instagram, any influencer, anybody who's built a business online went through a cringy, weird phase and you just have to push through it. You have to get past it. The only way you're going to get better is by doing and by learning as you go. And to learn as you go, you actually have to like make content and post it, even if it sucks, even if people judge you. And you know what? You can judge me all you want, but now I make more money than you. So to all those people who did that, like, how does it feel? Like, I don't know. I just don't think that you can let other people get in the way of the things that you want to do. And if you're going to do that, then you're never going to be successful. Like the most successful people in the world. So think like Oprah or like, I don't know, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or whatever. These super ultra wealthy people are all people who did something different. They're all people that face judgment every single day. They're all people who put themselves out there, put themselves in positions where other people, you know, can say whatever they want. But at the end of the day, like they're all freaking billionaires. So you kind of have to get out of your comfort zone if you want to see success. So yeah, that I think was a big lesson I learned from all of those accomplishments is it's like, okay, other people can think I'm weird, but at the end of the day, like I'm doing all these really cool things. I'm making money doing it. I don't report into anybody. I don't have some loser guy telling me that I'm stupid and not promoting me because he needs to feel like he's in charge of me or something. Like I don't have to deal with that anymore and I'll never trade that for anything. So here's a reminder. If you want to post on social media, post on social media, you won't regret it. So those were some of my biggest accomplishments. I think Talking a little bit about the challenges that I faced in social media or just like in my era of self-employment is, well, there's a few. So one, from a self-employment perspective, like the financial anxiety that comes along with being self-employed never ends. I've talked about financial anxiety before, it heightened a little more recently just, you know, because I moved and everything. So my expenses were changing. I think that's normal, whether you're self-employed or not, but like, the constant underlying anxiety of like every month we reset, right? So like I have brand deals that are recurring, a couple of them. Like I have guaranteed contracts and stuff, but it's like, okay, I always need to be thinking about getting another one or like, you know, selling my templates. Like 
basically one month ends, I could have a really good month. And then the next month it's like, okay, we're literally starting from zero. Am I going to match that? Am I going to hit my monthly targets? Who knows? So it's always just this underlying anxiety of that. And I think that's a universal experience for people who have a business and work for themselves is it's like, you're constantly thinking about how you're going to bring in your next paycheck and it doesn't go away. Even as you get established, like I have at this point, you know, I've had my baseline number on my templates for over a year now, like consistently 16, 18 months. And every month I'm always like, am I going to hit that this month? Like, am I going to break this streak? I have no idea. Especially when your business is reliant on social media algorithms. So like over the last couple of months, the dynamic of TikTok has changed dramatically. And because of that, like I see an impact in my sales. You know, when I have a video that goes viral on TikTok, there is an absolute direct correlation with my template sales and my course sales. And when I have periods of low views, which I've been going through and what feels like on a consistent basis lately, you know, that translates into my sales being a little bit lower and it's terrifying. So that's a major challenge for me. And it's something that this year I'm spending time trying to figure out is like, how can I make my business like not reliant on social media when I started out my business being reliant on social media? It's just taking it to that next level of like, okay, can I introduce paid ads? Can I, you know, create recurring offers that give me recurring income that's not a brand deal? Those are all things that I'm thinking about. Those are some major challenges that I faced. So to summarize, like, ongoing anxiety about bringing in money in my business, being reliant on a social media algorithm. I think another challenge of self-employment that I've discovered is just like isolation. Like I spend a lot of time at home alone. I struggle to network because I am very introverted. So like, it's hard for me, I guess, to go and put myself out there at like different events and stuff. And I definitely have a network of people in LA who I know who like, if I were to see them around, that's really great. But maintaining and nurturing those relationships is challenging for me because I'm naturally shy and I like doing things by myself. So like, that is something that I've struggled with a lot is just loneliness in my business and just loneliness in my career where as a hyper independent person who has intentionally created a business where I don't have to interact with lots of people all the time, it is also challenging not having like the camaraderie that you get when you work an office job. Like I think back to my first job out of college, I had so many friends that I made at work and like going to work while I was still work, it was like social time, you know, like I would see my friends, we would get lunch, we would go on walks, we would get coffee, like we all work together. We would book a conference room and like work and hang out and talk. And there are times where I like really, truly miss that. I don't miss going into an office and I definitely don't miss working a corporate job, but I miss having friends at work. And that was something that I definitely took for granted. I think that kind of went away for a lot of people during the pandemic and has now slowly started to come back. But yeah, I do feel often I feel lonely and I'm trying to change that by like bringing podcast guests on and saying yes to different opportunities. And now at least more recently, I've been getting some opportunities to go do like events in person, like podcast recording and things like that. So I'm excited about that kind of stuff. And I just hope maybe if I say it out loud, like I hope I get more opportunities to do that, to meet more people and to just sort of build a bigger community here in LA. I also like 
would love to do not even this sounds so influencery, which I'm sorry, but I would love to do like meetups with people who live in the area and like go get coffee with you guys and things like that, just to build a community here. Like I know that a lot of the people who live in LA and who follow me are like girls I would be friends with. So I would love to meet you um, and build relationships like that because I don't get it in my work. And I have plenty of friends who are like in my life and stuff. Like I definitely don't feel like I don't have friends, but from a professional career perspective, I have struggled a lot with just networking without those events being scheduled for me in the same way that they were in a corporate job. So those are kind of some of the biggest challenges that I've had. And then I think the last thing I want to talk about before I get into my lessons is like what I hope break your budget can turn into in the future. And I've kind of gone back and forth on this a lot. And I've still been thinking about it is it's like, okay, so for the last two years or like full year and a half and for the duration of this year, my business model has been working with brands on social media and then also selling like my courses and templates. And I would say the revenue from those is pretty 50-50 still. I do think I'll make more money from my courses and templates this year than I will with brands, just because a lot of brands have stopped doing TikTok deals with all of the uncertainty that's been going around TikTok. And a lot of brands have also just reduced their ad spend because we're like in a recession. Are we in a recession? I don't even know anymore. Um, but I do see that kind of shifting. I also, in my mind, like I don't want my business to be reliant on brand deals. I've said that before. And it's something that's very top of mind for me this year. Like I'm really trying to work with less brands on a more recurring basis. The hard part of that with a financial brand is oftentimes they want to do trials, right? Where they will do one video for like a fee and see how it converts. And it's like, with one video, you're not going to see conversion. So, you know, you do one partnership, you, they don't see the numbers they want, and then they don't want to work with you. But it's like, well, you know, if you're as a consumer, if I see an ad for a financial product one time, I'm not going to go buy it or download it. Like I need to feel like I understand the product that takes more than one video. So that's a challenge that I've been facing with some brands is it's like, they expect these really high numbers with one video. And when they don't get them, they're like, well, it's not converting the way we want. So like, we're not going to continue this. And it's like, well, you're not even giving it a chance to resonate with people or for people to learn about it. You're kind of just trying. And it's not like to me that that strategy to me is really dumb. So I'm trying to move away from brands who want to do that with me and work with brands, for example, like Ally, who really want to like forge a relationship with the creator and have a longer term deal where I have the freedom to create the videos that I want to create. There's no pressure on me to convert a certain number of, you know, accounts or whatever, because at the end of the day, like I don't have control over what you do. And those are the kinds of partnerships that I want to have. So yeah, that's, I think, just like the direction in terms of brand deals that I've been trying to go. It is challenging. It's challenging, but I'm holding strong. I've said no to a lot of deals. I've turned down a lot of money, which I know like that doesn't mean anything to you listening to this, but it is hard when you have a little bit of financial uncertainty or like anxiety. And, you know, I set this intention. I set a mission for what I want Break Your Budget to be. And I'm holding myself accountable to that and sticking to it, even when, you know, there's a paycheck in front of me that like, 
I, I want, but I'm not going to take. For example, I got a request from a brand. I'm not going to say the name, but it's like a debt relief company or a debt consolidation company. And like, they did offer me a good amount of money. And at first I was like, I want the money. And then I was like, I don't want to promote this. Like, this isn't a service that I feel like is ethical for me to promote. And so I withdrew myself from the campaign and it hurt. It stung a little bit, but I'm like, I don't want to degrade that trust. So anyways, that's the direction I'm moving with brand deals in terms of my templates and stuff. Like my goal is to continue to scale. And then I'm hoping with my book that I'll be able to start doing some speaking engagements and really position myself as like a true expert off of social media. Um, I did get a question recently about like clothes and like, why do I not share a lot about my life and like post what I'm wearing and all of this kind of stuff, like an influencer would. And I think my big thing is I don't want to be an influencer. And I understand that by nature of what I'm doing, like I am a financial influencer, air quote influencer, but I don't really like to think of myself as that. I mean, I guess my opinion influences people at this point, but I want to be a business. Like, I don't want people to look at me as like, what, what can you link your outfit? And I get that, like, you know, you're curious about what sweatsuits do I wear every day or whatever. Like my sweatsuits are all from Maritzia, except the one I'm wearing right now is actually from Abercrombie. Um, But like, I don't want to be viewed as an influencer. And I know that like influencing people have their opinions on, are they good? Are they bad? Whatever. I personally, like, I don't follow a lot of influencers. I follow a few and this is going to be a hot take, but I'm going to say it anyways. And I apologize in advance if it offends people, but like, what are they bringing to the table? What, what, what value does an influencer bring besides like giving you inspiration on style, which I guess, you know, style inspiration or like makeup recommendations, like those are really great and helpful, but like really all it's doing is pushing consumerism and it's not really like helping anybody. And I just, and I don't, I like there are influencers that I love, but like, even as somebody who I'm in this space now, I have the same amount of followers as a lot of these influencers. And I'm just like, like, I could not imagine spending my day posting my outfits and linking things. Like, I can't imagine that that's a fulfilling career and I don't ever want to be interpreted or viewed as that. And I'm not saying that being an influencer is bad. I'm just saying like, personally, from my perspective, I don't understand the value. I'm not somebody who buys a lot of things in general. I think at this point, you probably all know that. And so I don't want Truthfully, I just don't want to be associated with that. I want my business to be my business. I want it to be professional. And that's that's why I only share what I share. Um, and so as I'm thinking about growing my business, I want to think about how can I continue to position myself as a professional expert. And to a degree, like there's always going to be things that I talk about that are unprofessional or like ways that I say things that are unprofessional. I think my entire podcast is a perfectly great example of that. I think I'm the most unfiltered on my podcast compared to any other platform, but I really want to be like, for example, the budget Nista. She's so cool. She has like this whole brand about how she budgets. She has all these different pillars under her brand. She does speaking engagement. She has a Netflix show. Like that's what I want to do. And so I'm just trying to think about like, how can I get there? And it's hard. So if you have any tips or if there's anything you want to see from my business, let me know. But really my whole point of that is like, I don't want to become an influencer. And because I don't want to become an influencer, I 
post about certain things. I share certain things and I don't share certain things. And I think there's, again, this whole movement on social media about like the niche is you and like you should share things about yourself and that you're interested in. And I do do that to a degree, but like, I'm not going to do clothing hauls. I'm not going to post my skincare routine really. I mean, I guess like I could, um, I'm not going to do things like that because I don't really like to consume things like that on a regular basis. I do search specifically for like, you know, outfit ideas for X type of thing or like capsule wardrobe inspiration or things like that. Like I make very specific searches for that stuff, but I don't like to consume influencer content daily, if that makes sense. Anyways, long way to say the vision of my business is to stay professional and scale and figure out like, how can I bring more information to more people in a succinct, professional, educational way? So that's that. Now let's get into the lessons. I have five lessons from the last year of self-employment that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to try to do so in the next less than 15 minutes because I don't want this episode to be over an hour. I have them up on my computer here and let's talk about them. So lesson number one, I have learned that the definition of entrepreneurship is constant stress. This is actually a quote from the book Profit First, which is a book I'm reading with my friend Emily. We do like a little book club within like our own selves every month. She also has a business and um, we're reading Profit First this month. And one of the things he said that like really hit me was the definition of entrepreneurship is constant stress. And it's so incredibly true. The only person when you have your own business and your work for yourself, the only person who was control who is in control of your next paycheck is you. And I do think that the internet's perception of working for yourself is you get to do whatever you want every day. You get to post and get all this free stuff and like posting on social media is so easy and you only have to work for like two hours. That's literally like, I maybe that's how it works for some people. But in my experience, that's the furthest thing from the truth. I feel like I work all day long. When I'm not working normal working hours, I get stressed. And... If I'm like not pacing where I want to be pacing financially for the month, or I'm looking at my numbers and it's like, you're down 10% since this time last month, or I go a week where I don't get an inquiry about a new deal or something like I'm always stressed. I'm always thinking about how to bring in the next round of money. And it's not even from a sense of like, I need to make enough money to pay my bills. It's just like, this constant need for financial security and stability that like when you have your own business, you're just never going to find. And I think if you have your own business, you probably understand this. I'd love to hear your perspective, but it's always on the back of your mind. Like there's never, there's no such thing as just true rest. Like I do think in the last year I have not had a day of peace, internal peace, because even on days where I'm not working, like I come home and I check my sales. Like, did I hit my numbers today? And you know, I can't control that always. It's very, very challenging. So this type of pressure, it just never turns off. And I've really had to teach myself how to embrace that and how to embrace the unknown and be comfortable with the discomfort, but it's not for the faint of heart. The next lesson is that the world is full of endless opportunities. And I touched on this a little bit at the beginning with my accomplishments section, but like there's so much opportunity out there if you are willing to go looking for it. And I think that there's this myth of saturation that like there's too many influencers or there's too many people talking about this one thing, or I, I haven't started yet and it's too late for me to get started. Like 
There are billions of people with access to the internet. There's billions of people on social media. There are billions of opportunities that exist if you put yourself in a position to receive them. And it truly is about being open to receiving it. Like I, I cannot stress this enough. You have to be willing to say yes to things. You have to be willing to put yourself in a position for opportunities to come to you. And if you open your eyes to that, you will see how much opportunity there is not only in terms of like cool events or like cool experiences or whatever, but also financial opportunity. There's literally so much money that exists in the world of the internet and just like in the world of business as a whole. And I think if you work a corporate job, your perspective of money is always like a 10% raise or like a increase in my salary in the next job. And they're like, obviously that would be your perspective because that's your experience. Right. But as soon as you can sort of flip the switch and be like, okay, my salary is like probably not the most money I could ever make if I pursued something else, you realize that there's literally so much money that exists. It's kind of crazy. So here's a good reminder. Like you create opportunity in your life. You have full control. I use myself as an example because I am a normal person. Okay. Like I worked a corporate job. I hated it. I struggled. I always wondered how people on the internet made money and like, how can I do that too? I didn't crack any code. I didn't do any hacks. I didn't do anything special. I posted on the internet consistently. I provided value. I educated people. I answered their questions and then I created a product and any brand deals or anything like that is a byproduct of that hard work. But really, if you are consistent, if you push through, you can do it. So that's my lesson there. Endless opportunity. The opportunity is there if you want it. Third lesson is the freedom that comes with self-employment far outweighs the benefits that you give up when you have a corporate job. So one of the biggest barriers for me when I was leaving my corporate job was like giving up health insurance, giving up a 401k, paid time off, all those kinds of things. Like it basically, those were like the security blanket, right? Or having the consistent salary. But honestly, job security is a myth. Like in the same way, self, when you work for yourself that you could not get paid next month, you could also get laid off from your job. Like job security in corporate America, not true. Maybe paycheck stability is there, but job security doesn't exist in the, in the current economy. You are replaceable. Tomorrow you could get laid off. Just like tomorrow, you know, anything could happen with my business, right? Like that what, what I'm trying to say here though, or the point is having freedom and control over my life is so much more valuable to me. I've learned than having, you know, health insurance provided by my job. Like it did take me a little while and some research to figure out how to replace those benefits. So like I replaced my health insurance through um, the California health insurance marketplace. I purchased a plan through Anthem Blue Cross. I've had them for a year. I re-upped for this year. I pay like 280 a month. I always thought that if you were gonna get self-employed health insurance, it was gonna cost like five or $600 a month. It's definitely expensive, obviously, but I was paying 180 a month in my last job. So like it only cost me an extra hundred bucks. So like, I don't really think that that's a barrier per se. Um, and I learned that after the fact. So like sometimes you just have to do Granted, I researched that before I quit. Like that was all part of my process of financially preparing to quit my job. I have a YouTube video about that. So you should go watch it from around this time last year. Um, that was all part of the process. And then with my 401k, like I didn't want to give up the 401k match, but I'm like, okay, so 
I was able to put more money into my solo 401k this year than I would have in my corporate job, even with a match. So like, why would I like that was just a baseless fear. I think it's the, the fear of giving up benefits to jump into a business full time is a social construct really was my point here. Like, I think we're told in our lives that like, when you work a nine to five, you have stability, you have all of these things. And I think if you have a family and you have kids and a mortgage and mouths to feed, different story. But if you're a young girl and you're maybe you're in your twenties, early thirties, you're, you're the only person who you're responsible for, or like you don't have kids or anything. I think taking a calculated risk can pay off long-term and the benefits from your job should not be the thing that holds you back from doing that. And that's a lesson that I've learned. Like if I had realized that replacing my health insurance in my 401k was going to be as easy as it was, like I would have quit my job way earlier. I wouldn't have even been put in the situation for my manager to call me dumb because I would have been so far gone before that. So I think it's just a good example of like, sometimes do a little research and don't let other people's opinions, perceptions, and blockers really get in the way of you making a decision for yourself. Because again, I was told by so many people like health insurance is so expensive. And like, it's really not if you do a little research. Fourth lesson, work will always be work. This is another one I've alluded to this, but basically self-employment, having your own business, quitting your job, working as a content creator, whatever is glorified online. Even if you are a content creator, even if you have your own business, even if you're an influencer, like there is shit that you have to do that you're not going to want to do. For example, I'm recording this podcast. I love doing this podcast. I freaking hate editing it, editing, editing it. If I could speak, I have to do that today. I have to record intros for other podcasts that like, I kind of am not in the mood to do today. Like I have to answer emails. Like I still have to do things that I don't want to do. And that's just like a couple examples. That's not the full gamut of things that I do that maybe I don't love about this job, but I love most things. But I guess my point is like work is still work. And I think, you know, I don't get Sunday scaries in the same way that I used to. And I don't have to deal with the corporate bullshit in the same way that I used to. And I don't have to worry about some loser guy calling me stupid and telling me that I'm not good enough to get promoted. Like that kind of stuff I don't have to deal with anymore. And let me just say it's wonderful, but there are still annoying things that I have to do. It's still work. And I just think that the perception of what self-employment is, is so vastly different from what the reality is. And if you ask anyone who works in this space, they'll all say the same thing. It's not what you see. Like it's still a job. Um, and that I think is one of the biggest lessons because when I quit my job, I was like, I'm going to have so much time to do so many things. And like, I'm not going to have to work full days every day and all this stuff. And it's like, I still work full eight hour days. I work a corporate schedule. I work eight to five and sometimes I work more. Sometimes I work a little bit less, but on a regular basis, like I follow the same schedule as all my friends who go into the office and have a corporate job. Like it's not really any different. And the reason I do that is because the people in my life do that. So like, why would I be on this random schedule unnecessarily? And also because the people who can do my content do that. So like, it's not like I am able, I mean, I guess I am, I have control, but like, it's not like I'm just doing nothing all day or like spending my day running errands or like that kind of thing. And just filming it. Like I'm working. If you watch my day in the life videos, you know, like most of my day, I'm just sitting right here doing all my work, answering my emails, writing, 
captions, writing my other book, like just doing things. So yeah, it still works. And the last lesson here, we'll end on a cliche, is I'm capable of more than I could ever imagine. I've said this before. I'm going to reiterate it right now. If working for myself has taught me literally anything over the last year is that I can do whatever I set my mind to. And I am capable of doing so much more than I ever thought. I literally never, ever, ever, ever in my life thought that I would be in a position where I can do this as my job and I can make money doing this as my job. And like, I don't have to deal with the same things that other people deal with in their dead end jobs. But I did, I did. And I didn't like it. Um, it just really taught me that if you set your mind to something and you put in the effort and you are consistent and you give it time, you have to give it time of doing things consistently for like a year or even two. Like I started Break Your Budget in 2019. I didn't make a single cent in 2019. I didn't even really make a lot of money in 2020. It wasn't until 2021, two years later, that I started to see like legitimate traction on my business. And then things sort of exploded. But a lot of people give up before they see that because they're like, well, I'm not getting the instant ROI on my time that they think they're going to get because the internet tells you that that's what you should be getting when they're just lying to you. Like I have learned that if you put in the work and you're consistent and you provide value and you educate and you actually show up with intention to like help people before you're trying to make money, you will be successful. And the money is a byproduct of actually helping people and like providing value and doing something great. And I think that's what differentiates the path that I want to be on versus being an influencer. Like, and I don't mean to rag on influencers, but it's just like the reason why so many people fail to be an influencer is because they approach being an influencer as like, I just want to get free stuff and post about it. And that nobody wants to see that anymore. Like, I don't want to consume your unboxing haul of all the PR that you've got because I'm not even going to buy any of that stuff anyways. I think when you see people, for example, like myself who have been doing something, in my opinion, valuable for a long time and you see that success, you're way more inspired. Hopefully this inspires you or my journey inspires you that you can do the things that you want to do if you're consistent and you show up and you provide value and there's so much opportunity out there. I mean, I wrote a book this year. I'm coming out with a book. Here's a reminder to go pre-order it. Coming out with a book. I'm writing another book. Like, I cannot even believe that. Who is she? Like, I didn't know that I was ever going to be an author. So yeah, well, I'm on that. You can do more than you think. You can do anything you set your mind to. And the opportunities are endless if you're willing to put yourself out there. So that's my career one year of self-employment reflection. You guys got some tea today and a little bit of attitude. So hopefully that didn't turn you off. Um, and if you enjoyed this, let me know. And yeah, I am going to end this just by saying thank you so much for all the support over the last year. I cannot believe sometimes that this is my life, that I get to do this. And I would not be able to if it weren't for you. And I know everybody says that all the time on the internet and it can be annoying, but I do genuinely say this from a point of true appreciation. Like I could not be more grateful that I get to do this. I had such a hard time. I always felt like something was wrong with me. We'll say that like in all of my corporate jobs, I always felt like something was wrong with me and I never felt more like myself until I've been able to do this as my job. And I feel like finding happiness in my career through working for myself and having control over my life has allowed me to have a better life in my personal life. And I'm so grateful for that. 
I feel like I'm a nicer person. I have less anxiety. You know, I'm less judgmental of other people. And I didn't realize that all of those negative things and emotions that I was dealing with were a byproduct of just my lack of self-esteem and clarity and not feeling worthy in my job. And so if you are somebody who feels that way or can relate to that, like, let this be your reminder. Again, I'll say it one more time that like you can do anything you want. You just have to put yourself out there and really, really try and push through it. So thank you so much for listening to my podcast, for supporting me, for watching my videos, liking my videos, buying my products if you've, buy, if you've bought them, trusting me on your financial journey, trusting me with your money on your financial journey. And I could not be more grateful to have you here. So thank you. And I will catch you in the next one.